week brought to you by the color fuchsia and uh with me as always is my co-host wombat ronaldo wombat wombatson and i as always your host john you oh. have a lot of energy today i figured i'd start it off differently yeah i mean usually when you start it off you come in kind of loud but this is like screaming like wow <laughs> <clears throat> I'm impressed, honestly. I didn't know you had the lung capacity. Oh yeah, I've got the lung capacity. That was <laughs> that was a that was a fraction of my powers. Okay. Um <clears throat> How's it going? Oh, you know, it's alright. Uh it you know, life happens, life it goes on, and life sucks. Life finds a way to be a pain in the ass. Um <laughs> what's your glowing weak point? Uh, my glowing weak point is, um, on the vacation that we went on, we went to NASA, and NASA was cool. Nice! Yeah, we saw the, uh, Saturn V, which was okay. the one that, like, all the Apollo missions were carried out on. Yeah. Where, where did yeah. you go? Where did I like went? For, for your vacation, where, where did you go? Oh, Houston. Houston, okay. Yeah. Uh, see, what, when I went to Houston, they wouldn't let us go in to see the Saturn V and other stuff. No. N we got on no. a tram, and we just saw the Saturn V, and we got to walk oh. along where they're, um, like, where they train astronauts to, like, get in and out of uh, and operate inside of the, uh, like, different pieces of the ISS. and. That's cool, because uh, they... They used to allow you to just drive in and, like, go to Space Park or something. I don't, I don't remember what they call it. Where, where they've got the, the multiple rockets. Um, yeah, and... I don't, I don't, we didn't go there. I don't know what that okay. is. Okay. No, yeah. they have the Saturn where... V in, like, a building all on its own. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, they've got, like, five rockets just in a little park for the, the scientists and, and staff to just hang out at. Um, uh, and it used to be you could just go there and walk around and, and hang out and, and look at them, but then uh, probably for security reasons they stopped that, which is unfortunate for yeah. all the hundreds of thousands of students that got to do that and will no longer. Um, but uh, that's the modern era. Yep. <laughs> unfortunate. <laughs> yep. But no, um, see, seeing the Saturn V was really cool. We also got to, like I said, walk along where they have like all the ISS parts and stuff that they train in. Um, and we cool. also saw two of their <clears throat> former ideas f for like their former um, options, ra rather, for like lunar um, bases, like like the thing they would live in if they landed on the moon. Um, we saw the one by Dynetics or something. Okay. Um, which was really cool. And we saw the one that uh, fucking Jeff Bezos's whatever company came up with. Um, apparently whatever. they're going with Elon Musk's <clears throat> stupid SpaceX bullshit. But... Uh, to be, they to mentioned be fair, that uh, his, his have been, like, vastly... Uh, performing better than all the other ones 
I mean, he does hire like really smart people, so I understand. But yeah, also, apparently, see, you have to look at these these companies and go like, yeah, they're run by assholes who yeah. don't know anything. But SpaceX is a much better company than uh, Blue Origin or whatever. Jeff Bezos's bullshit is. Yeah. Yeah. No, also, like, like while I don't like either of them, I'm more inclined to, or I'm I'm less inclined to hate uh, Elon Musk. There we go. I don't like either of them, but I'm less inclined to hate one of them. Uh, I hate both as of much. them. As much. <laughs> as much. As uh, much. And it's definitely a problem that, uh, it, especially with Elon Musk, that people give him credit for things that his company comes up for. Oh, yeah. Or comes up with. <laughs> um, and it's also uh, on him that the one that they're actually planning on using when they land on the moon is not at Houston. Um, he is insisting right now, apparently, that they come out to California where the SpaceX, where SpaceX is and train there. Weird, because aren't most of the launches happening in Texas for SpaceX? Right. Yeah, so you'd think it would just be handy to have it all in the same state. I understand the state is larger than most countries around the world, but <laughs> it, it would still, like, and also Houston's really freaking close to their, their launch point, so that's really weird. Yeah, uh, apparently he... Apparently, it's very tall, and it can't fit inside any of the um, NASA buildings that they have currently. But, I mean, they hmm. could just build a new building. There's, yeah. there's nothing stopping them from doing it. There's a ton of space out there. Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, so I don't right. know what's... Uh, apparently, the, the tour guide didn't really know what was happening there either, because he's he mentioned... He made a, a comment, like, we'll see... Um, We'll see if NASA lets that fly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But yeah, NASA was cool. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah. Oh, you know what? The, also, right next to the Saturn V, outside, they have, like, um, the first missile that, like, Alan Shepard um, went into space with. Yeah, uh, and, and something called the Little Joe Two, which was I, I, I think um, like another very early spaceship, and they were so tiny compared to the the fucking Saturn Five. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, the one Alan Shepard went up in was just like a repurposed like missile launcher. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're based on the same principles, so it makes sense, but. But all, it was so tight. I'm like, how did how did even one person fit into that? And how did he even get into space? <laughs> so the the little Joe two was a rocket used to test the escape system for the Apollo. Ah, so it it was just supposed to go up far enough so that they could, you know, <laughs> shoot out the parachute and get it back. Right. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, John, what was your glowing weak point? 
Oh, thank you for asking. <clears throat> I uh, I finished alpha testing on my game, so now oh, you're entering the beta, beta phase. Yeah. Nice. Um, how do I how do I sign up for closed beta? Well, it's closed right now. We're 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 doing some selected people testing it, uh, but. I think in the next couple weeks we might be able to to put it out there so that people can actually come in and test it that are not previously tested people. So that's something to look forward to. Yeah. I want to get my um, hands on your game. Yeah, it's a uh, it's fun. Uh, I've played it a bunch at this point. It's it's a lot of fun. It still needs a little bit of art, um, but. You know that's that's not something required until uh, the the final development of the game and release. So it, we're we're moving along. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like it's going well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm excited to to see what comes next and and to have uh, non devs get their hands on it and see what they think. I'm excited to uh, see a game with your your logo slapped on it. <laughs> get, it's coming get a soon. Cool little box. Yeah, coming soon. All right. Well, we played some games these past three weeks. <laughs> uh, I barely did, but uh, yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's let's go with your your standard one, RuneScape. Yeah, Tell me about I'm really what you've done in RuneScape. I'm so glad that I picked up RuneScape again. I'm having so much I'm fun not. with it. Um, like uh, you know, I've just been blowing through quests. Uh, the most recent ones I did took me to uh, uh, Mauritania, which is kind of like the um, you know vampires and werewolves and that kind of area of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to do a quest just to unlock getting over to that area. So I did that. <laughs> and then I did a, a quest called Nature Spirit, which took me a little bit further into it. Um, and that was fun. Uh, it's hands down my favorite area of the game. Um, for obvious reasons. Okay. Yeah. But I haven't I haven't dug too deep into it just yet. Um, okay. I did I did get a a dagger doing one of those quests that allows me to kill werewolves without them turning into a werewolf. So that'll oh, be. Oh, is it is it silver? Um, it's called the Wolf's Bane dagger. It's probably made Wolf's out of silver. Bane. Who knows? It's probably yeah. Um, Everyone knows not... that you use silver to kill werewolves. Yeah, it's not something you can craft yourself. It's something you get as a reward for that. So, who knows what it's actually okay. made out of? And you're still following, loosely following the walkthrough. Yeah. Um, the next quest this thing ha- has me doing is uh, it's supposed to be something called Scorpion Catcher, but I al- honestly might skip it for right now because. The only thing it gives you is strength experience, but hmm. it takes you past a dragon area, and I don't. 
you can't equip the anti-dragon shield until you start the quest Dragon Slayer 1. And I would rather not start a quest that I'm not about to finish, and Dragon Slayer 1 is beyond my capability of finishing right now. Yeah. So I might skip that one and come back to it later, because I don't actually need the uh, the strength level anytime soon. Okay. Yeah. So um, so, so I played some Minecraft, Oh. as always. I uh, got in there and I made a tree farm. So I've got a, a place, a safe place to grow every type of tree, including the two by twos. Okay. And and I've I've got a place to grow mushrooms, the giant mushrooms. Ooh, mushroom trees. Although not the <clears throat> nether ones. I've got a terrible throat issue right now, and it's really frustrating me. Can um, you grow nether mushrooms <clears throat> not in the nether? Yes. Uh, it, is, it frustrates me because <laughs> to do it, to, to grow it, you have to grow it on the nether... Not nether wart, not nether rack, the... I don't remember what it's called. <clears throat> no, it's like the the dirt form of nether rack. Um, oh, I, I don't know. Yeah, but there there's two types of it. There's a a blue type and a red type, and uh, nylium. So there's warped nylium and crimson nylium, and it's the okay. the like grass version of nether rack. Ah. Um, and to grow a nether mushroom, it has to be grown on one of these two types of nylium. But growing it on the nylium turns the nylium into netherrack, and there's no way to grow nylium, so there is a limited amount of it. <laughs> uh. Yeah. But, okay. So, yeah, there's there's no real way to farm it in the overworld. I mean, isn't there a limited amount of everything, though? It's not like you can grow dirt, right? No, you, you can't create dirt, but there's just so much it's not an issue. You can make, right. you can make cobblestone from nothing. Um, you can? Yeah. Uh, all you need is a water source block and a lava source block. And then when the oh, right. water flows into flowing lava, it turns into cobblestone. Yeah. And you can use that to create a cobblestone generator. Um, bedrock. No, not bedrock. Um, what is the... I cannot remember blocks nowadays. <laughs> um, Andesite? <laughs> No, basalt. Diorite? Basalt can be generated. Um, I've never seen basalt. It's it's in the, the nether. Oh, right. Um, I've never gone into the nether. That's an issue. You should, You probably should. It's, it's an interesting <laughs> place. Um, but yeah, basalt can be generated. And uh, so you can actually generate a whole bunch of things because... Um, it's the the moss blocks 
that are, I guess, they're new, so you might not have that in your version. Um, when you bone meal moss blocks, they turn most normal blocks around them into moss, and then you can turn use that to create bone meal, and you can use it to, to create all sorts of other things. So you can also just... You can generate just copious amounts of random things by combining um, block makers, just block generators. I see. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I I made a, a, a couple farms there. I also made a mob farm, so a dark area that gets, gets the mobs flowing in the same direction, and then I... I drop them down a hole and they die, uh, and then I get all their drops. And I think that catches us up to where we were before. So tell me about Death's Door, which is a game I'm not familiar with. Um, Death's Door came out just recently. I can pull up the story page real quick to see what it was. Um, it came out on July 20th of this year. Okay, um, yeah, just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And it's a, a, um, it's kind of a, like a Zelda-ish game, like an action-adventure game where you run around, you play as a crow, um, it's a hack-and-slash game. Uh, okay. Um, you, okay, so, you play as a crow, the crow is a reaper, like a reaper of souls. Um, yes, and you're I'm sent familiar out, with the term reaper. Yeah. So you go out and you're supposed to reap a giant soul, but as you're about, once you kill the thing, um, and you're about to take its soul, a bigger crow shows up and he takes your soul from you, and then you chase him through a, a cemetery, um, and then finally you reach a door hovering in the air, and the big crow is standing in front of it, and he puts your soul into the door, like the soul you were hunting down. Okay. Um, which makes the soul lost to you. Um, and then he says, uh, like, he apologizes to you because what he was trying to do didn't work because he's trying to open the door. Um, and this door is, like, the the place where all souls go at the end. Um, okay. H- hence the name of the game, Death's Door. Death's Door, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is an issue for the crow because... Um, when a, a crow's door is closed, like like a door to where they need to get the soul, like they don't age. But his door can't ah. close because the soul is gone, so he's aging now. Oh. Um, and so in an effort to get the soul back from the door, um, the big crow sends you on a quest to kill three giant giant soul holders in the in the area of the cemetery um and these are all people who are like outside of the outside of the site of um the crow organization okay Um, so so they've been allowed to live longer than they would normally yeah Uh, and the first one you're sent off to fight is um the the witch of urns you go off that way and you you meet a dude with a pot for a head his pot has soup in it. Okay. Uh, yep. And it turns out that he's the grandson uh, of the the witch. Um, and, like, when he tried to escape her casting an immortality spell on him, 
Um, instead of turning his head into an urn, she turned his head into a pot. Ah, because they're yeah. very similar. Right. Like, the spell goes awry, but not very much, but enough to turn it into a pot. Yeah. Um, and then you kill you kill the witch, um, and I guess Pothead is just going to be a Pothead forever. Hmm. Uh, Doobies. The game is hard. They're funny. Aww. It's it's so hard. It? Um, well, I think it expects me to struggle with it because every time you die, it uh, <laughs> it comes up with giant words, death, with with, with like sounds like. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> it, it, it's having fun with itself. Um, okay. But but yeah, like even even like just normal enemies can kill you, and, and mini bosses and bosses are gonna are going to take multiple tries. Yeah, yeah, it, it's one of those games. But okay, it's a lot of fun. Um, you you throw fireballs, you you shoot magic arrows, and, and you you slash with a sword, and it's fun. Okay. Yep. Well, uh, the new season of Destiny came out. Ooh! And... Not an expansion, a, a season? Yes. Okay. And we got a bunch of news on the expansions. So, uh, or, uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about the season first. Um, so, started out where we were hunting down Osiris, because he was, he was pretty suspicious from the last, um season i mean he was there not helping at the end when the vex were killing citizens right and so we were we went out to try and find him and we were in the dreaming city which is home to the awoken one of the the extended races of of mankind and um while we were there we ran into uh osiris we found him but we found that he's not really him. He's he an imposter? Fact, well, no, he he is. It is the body of Osiris. It's just being controlled by the witch queen, Savathun. Le gasp. Yeah, everyone expected this. They were not <laughs> that clever about keeping it a secret. It, it, was, it was well forecast. But... Uh, what wasn't well forecast was the fact that we're actually going to help her because she, according to her, this is what she says, um, uh, she is, uh, saying that, um, she wants to give up her line of terror, but she's being hunted down by her sister and by the worms inside of her that, you know, are, you know, demanding payment and stuff. So, uh, they, the, the, um, Queen of the Awoken, Marasov, who is, uh, quite pleasing to the eyes, um, <laughs> is, she, she's also very powerful in magic, basically. It's, it's not magic, but it's, it's just an understanding of physics far beyond most. But you're um, like, she hot. Yeah, uh, everyone's <laughs> like that. Um, 
there's a lot of rule 34 about her. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but she ha- freezes Savathun in like a stasis field so that one, uh, Savathun presumably can't get out. And two, uh, she's not detectable by her sister, Shivu Arath. And also, the worms inside of her can't, like, do anything against her. And then we're sent to reclaim the Tekians, the Awoken Tekians, which are, are um, they're, they're like Mara in that they're very highly advanced in, like, physics magic. And she needs all of them so that she can perform a magic to to kill Savathun in a way that frees her from her worm. Uh, and so, since you know that Savathun's the uh, hive god of trickery, cunning, and lies, um, there's definitely more going on here. Right, like, and you can't I'm, just take her at face value. That's like believing everything Loki tells you. Yeah. Uh, the... The issue I have with it, because, uh, so, like, the story, really cool. Uh, honestly, the gameplay this season is spot on. Like, <laughs> you get to go to this this Taken realm where it's it's like a, a Taken version of locations and destinations in the game. So it's, it's like, broken and, and on different levels, and, and there's it's dark and there are secrets and stuff and you get to run around and explore them and and upgrade your character to to you know be able to access more things it's really really excellently done um the issue i have is that the story's cool but the same time they announced this they announced the next expansion which is the witch queen and it deals with Savathun, who's bad. Well, obviously. And not dead. <laughs> so, like, the end of the season presumably ends with us killing Savathun. Except... Oh, know, I see. We we know as players that that ain't happening. <laughs> no, I see. They fucked that we up. Would, we already would have known. Because there's no way they would have just killed her off in this like she's she's basically the big bad of destiny 2 i mean I since the beginning the she no her, her her brother was the big bad of destiny 1 oh she's she's been just forecasted to be the big bad of d2 since the beginning of d2 like she didn't even her name was barely present in the beginning of d2 her actions were barely present, but there were still, like, things here and there. Tiny little lore bits that are like, hey, guess what's gonna happen later? You see her name carved into the other side of a rock, and you're like, oh, no. Yeah. Just like, oh, let's do this this little patrol, and then at the end of the patrol, it tells you something about Savathun. You're like, why are you telling me about Savathun? Is this something I need to know about? <laughs> Um, so they're like, who knows? So we, you know, as a player, you would have assumed that they weren't going to kill her in this season. 
But just to go straight out and say, you know, hey, yeah, this ain't happening, is a little weird. Oof. Um, but found out some really cool things about uh, the future, uh, which is that, and at the end of this year, like December time, we're uh-huh. getting a mini expansion, I'd say. Um, and it's, it's celebrating 30 years of Bungie. And... Wow, they've been around that long? Yeah, they've been around that long. Um, I mean, they, Halo was not their first game. Well, obviously. I I mean, I I think Bungie made Mist. What? Yeah. Bungie made Mist? I'm I'm pretty sure Bungie made Mist. There's no way. That's... Uh, completely I'm, different from what they make <laughs> yeah uh they they created marathon and mist or and myth myth oh see myth, you got it wrong not mist yeah i did um i'm like there's no way that bungie made mist <laughs> uh no they they made myth uh marathon myth and oni and then they made halo and then they made Destiny. As well as a bunch of other games that nobody cares about. Right, who gives a shit? Um, yeah. That's like uh, talking about but... From Software's older games. Like, who fuck? Who gives, <laughs> what? Who gives a shit? <laughs> oh, you mean, um, uh, Dark Souls 1? <laughs> that's, what you, that's what you're talking about? No, I mean Kingsfield. Older games? Huh? What? Kingsfield? <laughs> hmm? Yeah, you... Demon Souls. You mean Demon Souls? No, you don't gotcha. know. You don't know about Kingsfield. Hmm? <laughs> um, but so thirty years of of Bungie, and they're pulling stuff from those thirty years. So it's still going to be in Destiny, but you're gonna get armor that has like the needler on it from Halo. Okay. It's it's like shoulder pads where the shoulder pad is a needler. Um, stuff from Marathon and Myth and, and, uh, D1 and stuff. And speak, not Myth, apparently. (laughs) Uh, Apparently. I was, I was wrong. Close, but wrong. Um, uh, but they, they're also, there, there's going to be a exclusive dungeon for people who, who purchase the expansion where you get to go into like a treasure hoard and hunt down things. And one of the things you can get is... The most sought-after weapon from Destiny 1, the Jollerhorn, which is a rocket launcher that was so broken when it released, and <laughs> it's it's quite a story about it because it was available for purchase on, I think, the second week that, that Zur, he's a, a guy you can purchase, he's only there on the weekends, and you can purchase exotics from him, whereas they are rare to drop otherwise. Okay. And you had to have, like, a ton of resources and able to purchase it, or purchase anything from him. And this was the second week of the game being live. And he sold Jollerhorn. And everyone looked at it and went, why would I want an exotic heavy weapon? You can only hold one exotic weapon. Why would I use a heavy weapon when I could get, like... A primary weapon that I'll be able to use all the time. And, you know, the, the just having a really good primary weapon 
would be really helpful. So instead, I'll get, you know, either a primary weapon or I can get a armor piece, which again, always buffs you instead of the, the rare times when a heavy weapon's going to help you. And then the entire population kicked themselves after that. Um, and, and there's, there's a lot of, of like the, the YouTubers were saying that and, and everyone on the, the subreddits were saying that. So very, very, very few people bought it that first week that it was available. But those that did. And then it was two years basically before it was available for selling again. (laughs) But uh, what makes it broken? All right, so basically it's a rocket that fires a bunch of rockets that, uh, rocket launcher that fires a bunch of rockets that all home, and they all do extremely large amounts of damage. Oh, that's broken uh, as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, it the, uh, the LFGs for Destiny basically all would say must have Jollerhorn, because you can one phase almost any boss if everyone has Jollerhorn. Uh, and it, it was vastly superior to even the, the next closest item. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was broken, and they nerfed it when they brought it back in, like, year three, I think they, they brought it back, and, uh, you had to, it, it, there was a way for everyone to get it then. There was, like, a quest you could do that would just give it to you at the end of it, but it was nerfed a bunch. But it was still, like, it's an iconic weapon that has never been in Destiny 2, and now they're bringing it. And they're also bringing it in a season that has a whole lot of buffs to rocket launchers. (laughs) So... Nice. It'll be fun to use it for a season before it gets nerfed into the ground. Right. Um... If it doesn't start out being dead on arrival. Uh, and then then we got to learn about uh, the Witch Queen, which is super cool because we're going into her throne world where she has created her own hive guardians. She has backwards, uh, like, done backwards research on ghosts and created hive ghosts to create her own hive guardians that use the light. So they have the same powers we do. Huh. So it'll be yeah. like it'll be like those things that like um RPGs and, and strategy games like to do where they're like now you have to fight yourself a doppelganger. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Um I think they're going to do it a little bit better than most of those do it. Um, my only worry is that they're going to do it like they sort of did this last expansion where they're like, oh, cool. We, we're going to give you like the enemies are going to have stasis, which is darkness powers. And then four enemies in the entire game have stasis. (laughs) Now they have fixed that with this season by going back and giving it to a couple regular ads of, of two races. But it's it's still they they really botched it on release, um, and I'm hoping that they don't make the the hive guardians be just nothings. Like oh cool, there's six of them. You gotta fight all six. 
I hope that there's armies of them because, gosh, we need some some new blood to to spill in this game. Uh, additionally, we're getting a new melee weapon, a glaive, and they're Ooh, using I love a form of glaive because most people or a, a lot of games use the term glaive to mean a uh, basically a frisbee with with edges no horrible what but no no this this is the proper what? glaive which is a, a spear with a sword yeah people use glaive to mean chakram that's not I what don't that know means why there's a word for it right <laughs> chakrams are entirely uh, different they're both yeah. awesome but no i'm gonna throw a glaive at you why no a glaive a is like a spear instead. A glaive is like a spear yeah. with a sword. It's fucking cool as shit. Yeah, it's a sword <laughs> on the end of a spear. Um, yeah, so it's it's going to be a, a first-person melee weapon as well, which is the first time we'll have that. All Every other melee weapon we've gotten before puts us into to third person, which is good. It, it helps you control it better. Um, right, I but, kinda, if I was playing the game, I would kind of wish it was a third-person. I, I don't like first-person shit. So, yeah, I mean, the game is first person aside from when you use swords and other of the the rare third person things. Um, but yeah, this this is a uh, a really cool addition. It's going to be first person, which I mean, it's a it's a thrust forward sort of weapon. So it makes sense that it could be in first person. Yeah. And and I'm excited. So that's yeah, glaives Destiny. are cool. Uh -huh. All right, so tell me about this uh, bad mistake you made. <laughs> is, that what, is that what you're calling it? Yeah. Uh, well, I've been wanting to have a game on my phone I can just pull up and, and play, and uh, that's not just puzzles. I, I wanted a more in-depth game. Uh, maybe with some story behind it, long-term gaming. Uh -huh. I, I had, I had dabbled in Marvel's Puzzle Quest, liked it, but it just it wasn't what I was looking for. And you didn't pick up the the big one everybody's talking about right now. You had yeah, to be a well, hipster. No, 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 no. Well, okay, so I was forced into being a hipster. So <laughs> I, I was looking at it and I was like, you know what? Genshin Impact looks like a pretty fun game, and I I bet I could enjoy it. And then I looked it up on my phone, and my phone said, Are you kidding me? You think I can run this? <laughs> it is, it are, is are a you, very graphic-intensive game. Are you kidding me? I, I, I need more than two gigs of RAM. And my phone's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I only have two gigs of RAM. <laughs> so I had to find a different game that had, you know, the ability to run on two gigs of RAM. Right. And also, I don't have a lot of space on this phone either. It's not a 64 gig phone. It's a, I think, 16 I mean, honestly, so, the way you're describing this, it sounds like you should have just replaced your phone. Like, Well, I mean, oh, no, I've got 32 gigs. Okay. Okay, that's not bad. I mean, when you consider that you put two apps on and that fills up. But, uh... <laughs> so I, I was looking for a game, 
And uh, while I was looking at Genshin Impact, I happened to notice that they made another game and that it would run on my phone. So I've been playing Honkai Impact 3rd. And how is that? It's okay. It's, uh... It's What's it fine. about? Uh, uh, I haven't gotten through the tutorial quest yet. It's it's like a 15-step tutorial quest. I think I'm on, like, step 12 or something. Jesus, that's uh, a lot. It's, it's, it's set in the future. You play as various cute anime girls who are strong, whether they have, like, psychic powers or they're just muscly beasts or they control a mech. And and those are the three, and it goes based off of uh, rock paper scissors. So that's cool. Uh, and then you run around fighting off things that I don't understand. Okay. <laughs> the story has not exactly made itself clear to me yet. Um, are you having fun with the yeah. tutorial? Uh, yeah, I've been playing it for a week and a bit. <laughs> I just jump on every day and, you know, I'll play a mission. Or, or at the very least, I'll grab my sign-in bonus. Okay. Because yeah, they always have a sign-in bonus. Yep. Nah, the... It does take a while to load. <laughs> because my phone has two gigs of RAM. Right. <laughs> nah, I, uh, I had to give up on Genshin Impact. I, well, I, I don't remember I... the name of this company. They are... They are good at two things. Um, getting money out of you and making you want to give them money. Yeah, Mihio, Mihoyo. Mihoyo, that's it. Yeah. Uh, I can't see myself spending money on this game. Um, if I was made of money, I could potentially see doing it, but <laughs> anything less than that, and it's not going to happen. Right. Um,. Yeah. So yeah, okay. playing that. Game facts. Ooh, we're talking about game facts. It's the facts about the game. Do it this like week a... we're talking about Baldur's Gate. Oh, I want you to to do that slow jazz style. Like pull out your trumpet or whatever it is you play, and like, like... <laughs> it's a it's a trombone. Okay. Uh, and it's it's three rooms away. So damn no. All right, next time. Uh, Baldur's Gate, developed by Bioware and published by Black Isle Studios, Interplay Entertainment, is a role playing game based in the Forgotten Realms setting of Dungeons and Dragons. I thought it was developed by Black Isle. I didn't know Bioware made it. Nope, Bioware made it. Huh. What does Interplay Entertainment mean there? Uh, uh, Black Isle Studios is a uh, subset of Interplay Entertainment. Ah, or was. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers! Oh, is that one um, later? <laughs> okay. No, I actually, I actually really like Interplay. They made a bunch of really interesting games for a really long time. And then they stopped. And then they because stopped. Because they were, they were dead. Damn. 
Originally created in 1967 and released to the public in 1987, or 1985 as an older book was retroactively made a part of it, the Forgotten Realms setting was initially designed by Ed Greenwood as the setting for his childhood stories. So is I that, think that's cool. Is that before Dungeons and Dragons? No. 1967? Well, oh, 19, 1967 was, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um... So, like, they just made this setting part of Dungeons & Dragons, like... Yeah, they... In post? They, well, I mean, Ed Greenwood made it part of D&D. He, he worked for... for oh, I worked see. with TSR um, to, to make it a part of it. I see. But yeah, it's, it's super cool that, like, he was writing these, these stories all this time, and then he was like, you know what? Let's make this the most popular setting for D&D of all time. <laughs> Just this this fun thing I've been, you know, dipping around on since I was three. Okay. Is that how old he was? I don't know. Right. <laughs> I'll look it up. Forgot Ed Greenwood age. <laughs> he was born in 59. So. So he was eight. No. It was eight. Seven. No. Seven. Well. Eight? Eight. 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 Yeah. Seven or eight, depending but on at what point. He, he was born. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Forgotten Realms is one of the most popular settings for D&D, and R.A. Salvatore's novels set in the world featuring Drist, Catty Bree, Bruno Battlehammer, and more are definitely one of the biggest reasons for that, and they can be found in-game as well. I mean, really, Drist is probably the best-known name in Dungeons & Dragons. I don't know how R.A. Salvatore writes all of these books. Like, he can't actually be <laughs> writing all of the books that have his name on it, right? I I think he does. It's gotta I, be like Tom I, Clancy and how, like, he wrote four no, books, and then he just had other no. people write under his name. I, I believe R.A. Salvatore writes every single one of these, because he loves them. But, I mean, he writes all of these fucking Dungeons & Dragons books, and then I know he wrote a bunch of, like, the Star Wars Expanded Universe shit. No. No, he... he. You're thinking of someone else. Oh, I um, am? Yeah. The only thing he's written for Star Wars is uh, Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, the novelization. Oh. And Vector Prime, which what? is part of the, the New Jedi Order series, which is trash. Um, in fact, it's the worst book in the entire New Jedi Order series. Damn. And the reason why I reject the existence of the New Jedi Order. Wow. Uh, it, it kills Chewbacca. No. Exactly. Now, it does it in a badass way, but it kills Chewbacca. He, he Chewbacca saves, uh, basically everyone on a planet uh, but he can't get off the planet in time, and the, uh, enemies crash a moon into Chewbacca on the planet. Fuck that. Destroying the world. Now, he dies because a moon was dropped on him, and honestly, that's the only way I could understand killing a character, but you don't kill Chewbacca. Yeah. Like, you should never kill a, a main, major film character in a thing if you want to take 
do something post Chewbacca, set it a hundred years in the future. Be like, yeah, all those characters are dead. Here are their kids, or here's people that are not related to them in any way, which would be a better way to do it. Um, but yeah, no, one of the big complaints people have about the Star Wars movies and also the books is that they're all centered in like the same period of time. And it's like, there's so yeah. much more you could be doing with this setting. Yeah, it's, it's trash. Don't don't kill off Chewbacca. <laughs> don't be the guy who kills Chewbacca. Because then that's no. what you're remembered for. Uh-huh. I mean, that's that's Ari Salvatore. He's the guy who came up with Drist and the guy who, came, who, who killed Chewbacca. That's <laughs> it. Based on AD&D 2nd Edition, Baldur's Gate is set in the eponymous city-state at the southern, southern end of the Sword Coast as well as the area immediately south through Alm. And uh, that's for people who know the setting. Right. Nobody uh, else will understand. It's been a while since I loaded up uh, Dark Alliance, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh. In the series, you play as an orphan raised at Candlekeep and attempt to find the killer of your foster father, along the way fighting against the DM's greatest secret weapon, doppelgangers discovering you're a bastard child of a god and destroying the further bastards of that god that's the, basically what happens yeah it is you're like oh cool i'm the bastard child of a god and oh cool everyone else of consequence is also the bastard child of that god time well, to kill I guess them i'll go kill them all yeah there can only be one right i was about to make a highlander reference <laughs> Uh, the initial game was followed by a sequel in two, three expansions, as well as a two-part, soon-to-be-three, action RPG hack-and-slash series that is largely unconnected. There's going to be a third Dark Alliance game? Yeah. Like, I've now, seen, I don't I've seen the one that's just like, um, like, Forgotten Realms Dark Alliance or whatever the fuck. But I haven't seen one, like, called yeah, Baldur's that's, Gate that's Dark Alliance. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. Um, well, Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance is what it is. Yeah. Um, and it's the spiritual successor to Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 1 and 2. Okay, maybe I will try it uh, Try it out then. I didn't realize. And you get to play as Drist. Which, of course, you could also play in Dark Alliance, but you had to unlock him. <laughs> But yeah, there's also technically a third expansion, uh, because, so there's, there's the, there's Baldur's Gate, then there's Baldur's Gate Tales of the Sword Coast, and then there was the sequel, Baldur's Gate 2 Shadows of Alm, and then the expansion to that, Baldur's Gate 2 Throne of Ball. But, when they got re-released to the Enhanced Editions, they also came up with Baldur's Gate Siege of Dragonspear. Ooh. So, and yeah, and there's going to be a, uh, a Baldur's Gate 3. Yep. I mean, it's already in early access. You can play it right now. Yeah. Although I've heard, I've heard, uh, uh troubling things about some of the people involved in that. So I have well, been staying away. Yeah. That's not surprising. Yeah. Uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, the hack-and-slash game, was developed by Snowblind Studios instead of BioWare, although still published by Black Isle Studios. 
This trend of moving away from Bioware continued, with Dark Alliance 2 being developed developed by Black Isle completely. Uh, Dark Alliance 2 is probably... I mean, no, it is. It's way better than the first Dark Alliance, which is already pretty good. <laughs> uh, Black Isle is, is really good at taking things other people did and making them better. <laughs> yeah. As you will see as we go further on. You're right, because they, they operate is, under another name is, now. If they continue, like, if they manage to do it, then it's better. But more often than not, they don't succeed. Damn. Uh, further games set in the same universe, and not just because they're in the same setting, but with actual tie-ins, include Icewind Dale, its two expansions and sequel, as well as Planescape Torment, all made by Black Isle Studios. So, it, it, if I remember right, isn't Icewind Dale, like, a lot less focused on story, and it's more just, like... Well, it's 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 got a, a, a big difference in that... In Baldur's Gate, you play as your character, and then you gra- gather NPCs around you. In Icewind Dale, you build a party. So you're not just building one character, you're building your entire party. And then you you do play through a storyline, but it's, it's less focused than Baldur's Gate is. Because right. Baldur's Gate, they, they only have to write for one character. They, they, you know, they can tell a story and any time they want to involve you, they can just put in a, a tagline of whatever your character's name is. You can't do that with Icewind Dale because you don't have a character. You have six. Um, yeah. So. It's weird. Icewind Dale is weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my brother always preferred it, though. I can see that. Um... I think, gameplay-wise, it's probably better. I've heard, uh, yeah, but, like, like, but as far as the gameplay goes, people like it more than Baldur's Gate. It, it is a little bit more, or a little bit less forgiving. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they, they're all technically in the same universe. Like, there are carryovers between... The Baldur's Gate series, the Icewind Dale series, and the Planescape Torment series. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and we'll get into more further on. Yeah. Planescape is technically a different setting than Forgotten Realms, but it's a cop-out since it canonically includes every setting inside of it. (laughs) They're like, here, everything, everywhere, all the time. So... D&D had previously the concept of the planes, which, you know, there's one, all the, like, elemental planes where you pull your magic from. But additionally, they had a concept that the Forgotten Realms was in a plane, and then uh, Greyhawk, or whatever the other setting is, is in a plane, and so on. And then they finally came up with the Planescape setting, that just allows you to more easily switch between them. It, it, it's really, it's like a hub world and then a bunch of rules on how to access everything else. So, I mean, Forgotten Realms is a plane in Planescape. <laughs> I forget what um, setting Dragonlance is set in. Oh. 
Because I don't think it's I don't think it's Forgotten Realms. No, it's it's absolutely not. Uh, I think Dragonlance is just the the name of the setting. No, it, I mean, it's it, set on the world of Kryn. It it is not the name of the setting. I am looking it up right now. Dragonlance Chronicles. Nope, it is in the Dragonlance setting. Yeah. Okay, I could have sworn it had something else, like, in a little... Okay. I'm wrong. <laughs> I can admit when I'm wrong. Uh, even further... That's, that's good. Even further, Neverwinter Nights and its sequel were also designed to be from the same universe, with tie-ins as well. And then I guess they changed yep. that. No, there's technically, but it's just really hard to find it. I see. With all of these, it's it's really hard to find. But, yeah. I mean, Neverwinter Nights was made by Bioware, so... Great. Yeah, it it's... They just keep making... Like, all of these are interconnected. <laughs> <laughs> they all are. All the Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dale games were built on the Infinity Engine designed by Bioware which is technically built on the back of an RTS engine, and use AD&D 2nd Edition. Neverwinter Nights was built by BioWare on their upgraded D&D 3rd Edition Aurora engine, with its sequel made by Obsidian Entertainment on the Electron engine, an upgraded version of Aurora they made. Yeah. they th These engines were built specifically for these games. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, that helps. Um, yeah. They're the kind of games that kind of need, like, an engine for them. Yeah. Yeah. They do. But but then once you have one, you can make a whole bunch of different games in that same style using it. It's also just interesting, because, like, Baldur's Gate was made by Bioware, and then every game since was not. But they were all built on the Infinity Engine. Um. So Bioware still got its name in there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, this was all possible because every game in these four franchises, while being made by a total of four different companies, were all basically made by the same people. A bunch of Bioware people left and went to Black Isle, and when Black Isle folded, Obsidian Entertainment was formed from its ashes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was and holding off on just... mentioning that earlier because I was like, I'm sure he has a fact about that. Oh yeah, like they're they're all they're all exactly the same company. There's there's no distinguishing between them. Like I didn't know about the Bioware people leaving and going to Black Isle, but I did know about when Black Isle like went bankrupt. Um, Obsidian there's, was basically there's just so much Black passing Isle. back and forth between them. It's ridiculous. <laughs> that, that, that happens with all all you know, game developing studios, but like. They, it, they were really... It's really absurd They were really all case. up in each other's business, yeah. <laughs> uh, the incestual trend continued beyond the D&D games, with Black Isle making Fallout 1 and 2, and Obsidian making Fallout New Vegas, as well as Bioware making Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, and Obsidian making Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2, The Sith Lords. I didn't know there was a, a KOTOR 2... Oh really? Because Kotor Two is is largely considered the Kotor. Oh really? Like Kotor exists, but people are like, yeah, why would you play that when Kotor Two exists? Well, to be fair, uh, 
I haven't played them before. I only hear people talking about them. So, I guess um, if people just refer yeah. to it as KOTOR, then, like, why would I realize yeah, it's it a could, sequel? Well, pe- people people refer to KOTOR 2. Uh, uh, it's just... People only refer to KOTOR 2 usually. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, it who is, gives a shit about vastly Bioware? superior. Yeah. Obsidian was also offered Baldur's Gate 3 to make, but they were working on Fallout Van Buren at the time and couldn't finish both of them. Yes, that means they took both projects on, both being sequels to games they technically didn't make, and botched them both. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, Obsidian was working on Baldur's Gate 3 and Fallout Van Buren, and then didn't finish either of them. Which you might recognize based on the fact that you've never heard of Baldur's Gate 3 or Fallout Van Buren before. No. Until, you know. Well, I know about Fallout, Baldur's uh, Gate 3 now. But th- this was. But I don't know about Fallout Van ago. Buren. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Fallout Van Buren, which was supposed to be a lot closer to Fallout 1 and 2. Uh, that would have been nice. Those are good games. Uh, which, which is probably why they instead of making a numbered fallout made fallout name of place new vegas based off of their yeah. their their original uh, attempt at making a fallout game uh so this last fact is too long so john's going to say it tell us about the pantaloons john Oh, so this is a long story that I didn't know about until I was researching today, which, I, I mean, uh, a week ago when I do my stuff in advance. Uh, you mean um, Archimedes did this and told you about it? Correct. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Archimedes passed this along. Um, so, when you you start Baldur's Gate 1, you leave Candlekeep, the first place you go is the Friendly Arm Inn. So yep. this is the very beginning of the game. This is the and, prancing pony. Yeah, and and then you wander around a little bit, and then a nobleman on the third floor, if you if you're wandering around enough, uh, mistakes you for a launderer and gives you a pair of golden pantaloons. Huh. Now, this is the very beginning of the game, and you as a player probably don't understand that seemingly worthless objects might actually have a use. Um. So you probably just trash them, or give them back, or sell them. Sell them. Yeah. Because I imagine anything. they're golden, Cause... they might go for a little bit of money. Yeah. Now we've got to jump ahead to Baldur's Gate 2. What? So yeah. wait, wait, do you carry S- items and stuff between the two games? So you carry, like, ten items between the two games. There are very few items that you can carry between, and you have to have had them beforehand. And I think if they're in a container, like a, a, a portable hole or something like that, then you don't get to keep them because those don't transfer, and it doesn't so you, check the contents of those. See, so like you have to have this. You have in to your beat the game inventory. with the golden pantaloons in your inventory. Yes. Okay. And then. Put that save into Baldur's Gate 2. Um, so, uh, when you get to, to Amn in Baldur's Gate 2, you get to the Athkatla Cemetery, and you can rescue a man who is nearly buried alive. 
and you find on him a piece of red cloth from the uh, shirt of his kidnapper. And you you travel through that and and play through that little quest. And depending on your protagonist, you can have one of two outcomes. One is uh, you free someone and they depart, or you can go and collect the ransom for for someone um and if you go there the person who pays you gives you a pair of silver pantaloons okay so now we have two pairs of pantaloons golden pantaloons from Baldur's Gate 1 and silver pantaloons from Baldur's Gate 2 both of them again have no use whatsoever you're probably gonna sell them or or trash them or something um so then later on you can go to the residence for the magically deviant which is an asylum and one of the characters there gives you a memo or two memos um which they're actually rather difficult to get uh but the memos are filled with gibberish which is a cipher um and the first one trans uh deciphered reads my pantaloons are full of weasels inform the queen so that she might shoo them away here we go round the mulberry bush go monkey go and you go all right weird but then you think wait you mentioned pantaloons second one you think i'm crazy but they want you to think that i know secrets keep the pantaloons always keep the pantaloons what the so then you might start thinking oh i should restart the game and go back and get the golden pantaloons and carry them through again to get the silver pantaloons this is a difficult thing to figure out at this point (laughs) so then um then you go through Baldur's gate 2 to the expansion, Baldur's Gate 2, The Throne of Baal. Okay. <laughs> so and you've beaten the main game at this point, and now you're in, like, extra shit. Yes. So you, you if you explore the desert town of Imkethren, um, you find a gnomish smith named Carrick, who, um, uh, is making a machine like a steam press stuffed with fabric. Uh, he indicates that the protagonist should search for the remaining component. Three is re- three are required. Um, so the next stop is the lair of Abazigal in the dungeons beneath. Uh, there you find three inexperienced adventurers who are petrified. So you have to restore them with a stone of flesh scroll okay and then they give you a quest and then they return after a six day wait jesus with a pair with a pair of bronze i knew there were gonna be bronze pantaloons pantalettes oh pantalettes Uh uh-huh okay so if you return to carrick he then forges the golden pantaloons the silver pantaloons and the bronze pantalettes for no charge whatsoever into 
the big metal unit, which is a suit of armor wearable by all characters with a base armor class of minus 10 that gives the player the size and appearance of an iron or adamantite golem. The big metal rod, which is a launcher for several types of ammunition. And Scorcher, Pulse, and Frag Grenade ammunition for the big metal rod. Uh... So this turns you into a mech. Correct. <laughs> if you collect the pantaloons from three different games, passing them from one to the other, which is tough to remember to do, you could become a mech at the end of the last expansion. Great. <laughs> and I really, 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 really hope that they do it right. And when you play Baldur's Gate 3, <laughs> you can transfer your save and still have the pantaloons and, and or rather the, the, the big metal unit and rod. And you can just start the game as a giant mech. As you should. <laughs> That would be great. And that, that might get me to play uh, Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> You'd have to do one, two and a half first. Uh, I have no problem with that. <laughs> I might have then, a problem with that. <laughs> technically, the Pantaloons Enigma returns in Neverwinter Nights with a set of three-dimensional bump-mapped OpenGL rendered plaid pantaloons. But that is a story for another time. Okay. Well, hey, those it's are time all... for the thing of the week. It is time for the thing of the week. Okay, this is this is where I shine. All right, I gotta I gotta hype myself up a little bit. We gotta we got another so, long recap here, John. I'm honestly amazed I got so much recap out of such a short book. Uh huh. Um, yeah, you did basically just rewrite the book. I did essentially rewrite the book. It is just about as long as the book is. <laughs> yeah, it it really is. Um, so yeah, uh, as always, it's once a month, so we're doing our our light novel recap, and the light novel of the week is or of the month is Bofuri, which technically that's the nickname, not the actual name. I don't want to get hurt, so I'll max out my defense. But they did the include the nickname as part of the name. So it's on the front of the book, but according to the author, it's just the nickname, right? Not the title. I, I feel like I read it in the afterword, right? Yeah, that's where I was reading it. Yeah. Bofuri is he, the first he, half of the specifically... word defense and the second half of a Japanese gaming term for extreme builds translated here as max out. With a title this long, you always need a good shortcut, and this one seemed easy to remember. Yeah, but then he, he later talks about, uh, I better bring it into this afterward, and the first volume of, I don't want to get hurt, so I'll max out my defense. Yeah. Without Bofuri. So it, it's definitely, the title is, I don't want, I don't to, want get to get hurt. hurt, so I'll max out my defense. Yeah. He just made his own nickname. He didn't leave it up to other people to create... Like, like when people may, came up with Don Machi for, is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dungeon? Yeah, I don't know where the Don Machi comes from, but I, uh, I'm okay with not knowing that. Right. 
Anyway, I'm very happy that the that this was the book we we read. Um, uh, I had already read it. I was the one who uh, suggested it, and it won. And I'm so happy because I got to read it again. <laughs> On the light novel sliding scale of grim dark to marshmallow, Bofuri is firmly on the marshmallow side. This is not a series you come to for intense stakes, nail-biting fights, or the exploration of harsh themes. This is pure fluff where you know what the end result is going to be once events start taking place. And personally, I believe Bofuri is the best example I've read of marshmallow done right. Kaede Honjo, Kaede Honjo is a high schooler whose best friend Risa is a hardcore gamer. Kaede has a difficult time saying no to Risa, so she often gets dragged along into any new games Risa starts playing, usually to drop it shortly after. Such was expected to be the case when the brand new VR MMO, New World Online, was released. However, the day the pair were meant to start playing, Risa had been grounded from games due to fall, fall, falling grades. I don't know why I stuttered there. And Kaede decides to try the game out on her own. After she loads up the game, she's given the choice to pick her starting gear and distribute her stat points. Afraid of being hurt, she chooses a great shield and short sword and pours all 100 of her points into vitality. Naming her character Maple, she sets off into the world. Uh, one of my favorite parts in the in the book is the little comment that the, the narrator makes. Um, about how she's essentially min-maxing her stats to an extreme degree. Yeah. Uh, and I, th I think one thing we should mention here is that vitality, which usually would go into health, in this case means defense. Yes. Um, there is a separate a HP really stat weird... that she could have added to, and she chose not yeah, to. It's a really weird term to use, but yeah, whatever. You do you. <laughs> A better term would have been endurance. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, she quickly discovers her mistake once she enters the town, as every other player is clearly moving much faster than her due, the, due to their heightened agility stats. Maple is relegated to her real-life speed. She doesn't get disheartened, however, and heads out into the field to try out the game. A short ways into the forest, she is harassed by a small bunny enemy. Surprised at first, Maple starts to have fun and playfully chase the bunny around as it continuously attacks her. This is because her vitality stat is so high that she takes no damage from the rabbit. After doing this for about an hour, she's distracted by the acquisition of a skill, Absolute Defense. This skill doubles her vitality at the cost of making strength, agility, and intelligence points cost three times as much to acquire, essentially locking her into a pure vitality build. While she's looking at this skill, however, the bunny suddenly dies, upsetting Maple. The bunny had been taking damage the whole time by slamming into the ground after knocking off of Maple. Uh, so absolute defense is pretty clearly supposed to be like a late game kind of skill that you get. Um, yeah, that that she got just by fucking around for a, an hour. <laughs> um, I mean, it would be ridiculous to get absolute defense even later on, because just the amount of, of vitality she has at this point is absurd. Yes, because most most of the characters it mentions at this point, the the high level characters are like close to level forty. Yeah, 
and I, I'm having trouble understanding. Do you get like one skill point or stat point per level, and then ten at the? Uh, oh, it explains every 10 it. Levels. It explains it. Um, it's five stat points every other level, like every even every numbered level. Other level, and then okay. you, and then at the ten mark, you get ten stat points. I missed the other part of that, and I I was just trying to do the math, and it wasn't working out at all yeah no it's two uh, four six and eight give you five stat points and then ten gives you ten okay yeah so that's how but that like works. at f- at 40 you're, you're still not gonna have like enough stat points to enough vitality in general in order to get absolute defense no unless you did this no uh um pretty much the uh, the I think it even says that, um, like, higher level players are pretty much focused on, like, m- more agility, strength, dexterity, um, and, and vitality yeah. is kind of, well, like, they pour a couple of points in there every now and then, but it's largely ignored. Because, mm-hmm. because there's no, there's no significant drop off in damage after, like, the early part of the game, usually. By adding vitality yeah. points. No. Uh, Maple only works because she's ridiculous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, after mourning Mr. Bunny for a few moments, Maple continues on through the forest and encounters a giant bee that spits poison at her. She discovers that poison is able to deal a single point of damage to her, due to it being a status effect, but quickly finds a workaround in poison resistance. Once she acquires that skill, Maple is once again completely immune to damage, and she slowly kills the giant bee, giving her the skill Giant Killing and a ring that gives her a small boost to HP. Giant Killing and Absolute Defense combined multiply her vitality to a whopping 616. Uh. Yeah. That's unnecessary. <laughs> Absolutely unnecessary. At, at the start of the game, her vitality was 100 plus 28. Yeah, for her shield that she was using. Yes. (laughs) Um, With her stats significantly buffed, Maple now wishes to have something other than starting gear, and she approaches a fellow great shielder in town to ask him about his cool shield. His name is Chrome, and he introduces Maple to a crafter named Ease, who who, who tells Maple she'll need about a million gold to have equipment made. Maple only has the 3,000 gold she started the game with, so Ease tells her to run a dungeon and use the spoils from that to help pay for gear. Um, And then, from then on, Chrome basically doesn't matter. Well, I mention Chrome here um, partly because I've seen the anime, which covers much many more light novels than this, and he does become more important later, so it's important to mention him now. Um, if we, I mean, we will eventually, but once we get to reading the other books, Chrome will come up again and grow in importance. There's an anime? There is an anime. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, also, Chrome is one of the, uh, I don't mention it in the recap at all, but every now and then they have like a little forum chat thing where people are talking about Maple on the forums, and Chrome is the anonymous great shielder that speaks in those. Yep. Yeah. So uh, he does have slight importance, but he will not be mentioned again right now. 
Uh, Maple learns about a poison-based dungeon and decides to run it solo, despite her almost total lack of offensive power. She kills slimes in the dungeon by falling on them with her shield, but has to completely ignore the lizard men because they're too fast for her. Finally, she reaches a huge door and finds the boss, a three-headed poison dragon. Uh, I don't think I... No, I didn't mention it, but she does get shield attack by uh, just falling on slimes. Yeah, it's never brought up again. Yeah. It has a knockback effect, though, so... Wee! Yep. It's never brought up again. It is not in this book. Um, the dragon's physical attacks do nothing to Maple, but it has a stronger poison than she ha had encountered before, one that can deal three points of damage to her. And so Maple starts a battle of attrition. She had spent all her money on potions, so she stands there using a combination of those and the skill Meditation, which she'd acquired by sleeping while being attacked by monsters for more than an hour, which allows her to just barely weather out the poison long enough to acquire po Poison Nullification, finally allowing her to take no damage. However, this creates a stalemate between the two. The dragon no longer poses a threat to Maple, but it had melted her sword and shield, meaning she can't damage it. So Maple starts to eat the dragon, discovering that if she swallows the meat, it doesn't reappear on the dragon. After several hours- Who thinks of these things? <laughs> What's that? Who would come up with that? Uh, somebody who had no other choice. <laughs> would you? Uh. No, you'd probably just sign out. I mean, probably I... Like, well, I'm fucked. <laughs> Guess I'll just start over next time. Here's the thing, though, is that this is a situation that only a person like Maple, who does not play games, could end up in. Because you or I would not have poured all of our stuff into vitality. We'd have some agility. No, I, We'd have some strength. I, uh, I play games not just the proper way, but also the wrong way pretty often. I mean, sure. I, I play games sometimes by just completely dump stack, uh, statting and, and seeing what I can achieve with that. I could consider being in her position... I could not consider eating the dragon to kill it. <laughs> and, and also, unlike um, other, like, like I've read a lot of um, VR MMO type books, and um, some of them have like a, a time speed up thing. And at this point in New World Online, it does not. So every moment here is a moment in real life. So this is several real-life yes. hours she is eating away at this dragon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, she acquires the skills Hydra and Devour, giving her poison attacks and the ability to eat attacks and convert them to MP. She also acquires a unique set of equipment, pitch black with rose-red accents, for being the first player to beat the dungeon solo. Um, this On is their kind first try. Uh, on the first try, yes. Th this is kind of the first hint you get that New World Online is kind of like a complete shit MMO. Uh, oh yeah, it's trash. <laughs> yeah, um, this is a really bad game. <laughs> but, also, it, it simultaneously has like hundreds of thousands of players and 12. Like, <laughs> it... it I don't get the I don't Vince, get the sense that it has hundreds of thousands. I I think it has a few thousand. 
on her, on the server that she's playing on. She kills more than that on the event that we'll get to later. Oh, well, those people can respawn, though. But why would you go after her multiple <laughs> times? I don't know. I don't know. There has to be at least that many because you wouldn't go after her more than once. But it is insane, one, that she's the first person to attempt this dungeon solo and win. Um, no, 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 again, it's not to attempt it solo, it's to solo first try. Right, beat it solo, it first was, try, first player to do it. Yeah, it's, it's like, I'm certain other players came in, they beat it, and then they came back to do it solo. Yeah. This is go in blind as a single player... And beat it first try. And be the first person to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Uh, it's ridiculous. And, and like it, it gives such good equipment to do it like that. Like, that throws people way above, like, everybody else. And there's no way to catch up. Because you can't do the same thing again. Yeah. It's such a bad design for a game. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with there only being two, maybe three, dungeons in the world. Um, they know of two at this point, and we'll learn of a third later. Yeah. Uh, she equips the skill Hydra to the short sword and the skill Devour to the Great Shield, completing her loadout just in time for the game's first event, a battle royale. Maple joins in the fray and completely no-sells every attack, eating players who get too close with Devour, and using that MP to devastate everyone else with her strongest attack, Hydra, a three-headed liquid poison attack. Through her efforts, she takes third place in the event and is instantly made famous. Now, through her efforts, her efforts are mostly just sitting there drawing in the dirt. Because she can't move fast enough to fight, to hunt anybody. Yeah. <laughs> it, people just run up and like she doesn't even have to hit them with the shield like more often than not they just get close enough and like bump it or something and then they're gone uh, because it just eats them i didn't mention the skill here but she does have one called paralyze shout which just paralyzes everybody and then she'll just go up and tap their head with the shield and, and that kills them <laughs> yeah yeah uh devour is broken as fuck <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shortly after the event, Kaede tells Risa about what's happened since she joined the game, and Risa tells her that she'll finally be able to join Kaede in the game. Hearing about Maple's extreme build, Risa decides that she'll play an evasion tank to create a party that ideally never takes damage. She joins the, the game as Sally, and the two form a party. Uh, Maple is still trying to get Ease to craft new armor for her, as she now has a shield that doesn't so much block attacks as it does eat them, and that can be inconvenient for gaining skills. So Maple and Sally go fishing for white scales, as even just killing the fish they get is leveling Sally up. When she goes diving to see if she can kill the fish that way, Sally discovers the entrance to a dungeon underwater, one that no one else seems to know about. This is the third dungeon I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, Maple is unable to join her underwater, so Sally sets her sights in clearing the dungeon and getting her own unique set of armor. After training her swimming and diving skills to 10, the highest they go, Sally finds she can stay underwater for 40 minutes at a time, 
giving her the time she needs to reach the boss door. Once she goes through it, she finds a room half filled with water, giving her the opportunity to surface and take in air just before a giant white fish spawns and attacks her, forcing Sally to fight in the water. Using a combination of her dagger skills, long-range magic attacks, and RAW GAMING ABILITY, Sally is able to kill the fish and acquire her own set of unique equipment, white and ocean blue in color. The armor gives boosts to her agility and MP, while the twin daggers boost strength, defense, and dexterity in equal measure. They also come with the skills Mirage and Oceanic, Mirage allowing her to create a decoy Sally, and Oceanic creating a field around Sally's feet that lowers opponent's agility. So at this point... One small correction. Mirage doesn't just allow her to create a decoy Sally. It allows her to create a decoy anything. Uh, She later uses it to... uh, Oh, she does create a a decoy shield for Maple. Yeah. Makes a mirage that Maple has dropped her shield, making the enemy attack her and then kill itself on the shield that isn't dropped. Yeah. Um, And... And at one point in the second book, she does use it to create both a decoy Sally and Maple simultaneously, which I feel like makes Mirage a little broken. (laughs) I hope I never read that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, Sally is ridiculously broken at this point as well. Um, and, And I wrote raw gaming ability in all caps because the game constantly talks about it. Or not the game, but the book. The book, con- the book. yeah, yeah. No, it it really does. It, it's like Maple is sweet and she's cute and she just gets away with things because she doesn't know any better. But Sally, Sally's a raw gamer and she plays like the gamers do. She knows all the things and she's an MLG pro. She concentrates so hard that it wipes her out for a few minutes after beating the boss. I'm like, Jesus, yeah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> people, normal players couldn't be able to to move this fast because you know, your, your brain can't keep up with this current amount of agility. But her raw gaming ability means that she's <laughs> got the skills to do it. <laughs> it's stupid. This book is stupid. Keep going. You didn't enjoy it? <laughs> With Sally, Keep going. with Sally now being broken in her own way, and Maple having given the materials to Ease to craft a new shield, the pair log in to beat the dungeon that leads to the newly added second area of the game. They make a joke of the dungeon, and after figuring out the trick to the boss's seeming invincibility, defeat it as well. Maple did get inco- knocked unconscious at one point, but Sally and her raw gaming ability were able to beat it before Maple woke up. After reaching the second area, game maintenance nerfs Maple significantly, allowing her only 10 uses of Devour per day, though doubling the amount of MP it stores, and adding piercing attacks for players and monsters alike, meaning Maple can actually take damage now. Ease contacts Maple and gives her the new shield, finally allowing Maple to train for, uh, for new shield skills, as well as practice using the shield to block. She also buys the skills Cover and Cover Move, allowing her to perform great shielder duties better, just in time for the second event, which the book ends on as the event starts. Uh, There's also a couple of bonus stories about Maple working with Ease to get more materials for her shield, and Sally doing a side quest to get the skill Super Speed, as well as Maple and Sally exploring a couple of interesting non-combat zones in the first area, 
But that was really added as otherwise the book would be too short. Which makes sense as otherwise the author would have had to split the second event in half. Uh, the, se- the second book is the entirety of the second event. Ah. Yeah. So You you were accurate on that light novel sliding are really from Grimdark to Marshmallow. And that's that's very, very accurate. Yeah. And and most are somewhere in between. I guess maybe slightly more focused towards the Grimdark, if I'd it have to say. Um the, I mean it really depends on the on the series, like um um, books but, like Sword Art Online and Infinite Dendrogram are uh, somewhere in the middle, but slide more towards the grim dark. Whereas, yeah. like something like a, a Goblin Slayer is kind of like very grim dark. <laughs> very grim dark. Um, and Saga oh, of Tanya the Evil is, is on the grim dark side of things too. Yeah. Whereas books so like, you- like this are firmly on the marshmallow end. Yeah, and and I'll I'll make a, a slight modification to that. There there's a marshmallow end. This is cotton candy. <laughs> and I say that in all the way that cotton candy works. It, it's a good metaphor for this because um it's sweet. It's cute. It's light and sugary. And there's n- no substance to it. No. <laughs> <laughs> At all. This like it was an extremely easy book to read. Oh yeah, I finished it in about thirty minutes. I figured it would be like thirty um, to forty-five minutes for you. Yep, for a hundred and eighty-three page book, when you add in the afterword and other stuff, um, you can tell uh, exactly what side of it it's going to be on uh, when you open the front cover and. Where normally you are just immediately struck by some uncomfortable titty pictures of random anime girls that usually largely have nothing to do with the storyline. Yes. Uh, there's nothing even close to that here. No, the the um, book actually largely respects the, its women. Um, yeah, which, which is interesting. Yeah, it, it, um, it's very good about that compared to other light novels. But there is no substance to this and there's a lot of stupidity <laughs> um yeah the as as you you mentioned a bunch of times sally and her raw gaming ability it, it's so it just and, and having read the they, second book because i got so into it um it, it does not get better <sighs> okay <laughs> and then maple maple's just a ditzy girl she's an that, idiot that just happens to stumble into these things that literally no one would do. Like, not even a ditzy person would do this. Like, um, I mentioned a meditation earlier, like, kind of in passing. Um, she w- she got that skill because she wanted to get the um, presence detect skill. Which, if she had looked it up at all, is a skill you can just purchase. Um, yeah. And she decided she was going to meditate in the forest and try to feel where enemies were to learn it that way she was trying to be psychic to know where things are but uh you can't just be psychic so she was there for three hours at some point of which she just passed out and it fell asleep was and covered in enemies who constantly attacked her while she was just asleep 
because but they dealt course, no damage to her, she couldn't broken. wake up. <laughs> like, she didn't wake up because they were dealing no damage to her, and thus the pain receptors were not going off. So she never opened her eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a little ridiculous. It's very ridiculous. And it, like, it doesn't... It feels like it jumps around a lot. How do you mean? Like, at at the beginning, it seems relatively straightforward. She gets in the game, she goes out and has her first combat. There are major air quotes around the word combat. <laughs> um yeah, she she comes back cuz she's like, "All right, well, uh, I've I've gotten some cool things. Let's see what's Oh, I could get some new armor and stuff." And then, "Oh, I guess I'll go do a dungeon because that's how I'll get the money or armor to do it." And th- that's all straightforward, except for why she would think of eating a undead poison dragon. And, um, and then it's like, all right, let's go get some other equipment. And all right, while we're doing that, let's jump around to other things. Cause you, you skipped some stuff. Like she goes back to town, buys some skills, goes this other place, does this other thing that like none of it matters. <laughs> it it could have all been summed up in like after some going around and doing things, she she purchase and, and purchasing things, she now has all of these skills. Here's what these skills are. Uh yeah. Now they do something interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know that I, I, I would say it jumps around a lot. I would say that, um, the beginning of the book is kind of slow paced. Um, yeah. like a lot of the first half of the book is like her first couple of days in the game. And then after the first event, it speeds up greatly. Yeah. Um. I'll, I'll agree with that. Yeah. Like, after the first event, not much of note happens with Maple herself, actually. And it largely becomes about Sally doing her stuff until the point where they um, attempt the uh, dungeon to go to the second area. At, w- at which point things mm-hmm. kind of converge back together. Yeah. Which was a little weird. It, it felt weird to leave Maple for so long. Because because you get the uh, the feeling that like like you're gonna be focused on Maple right, but yeah. but then Sally joins like halfway through the book, and for a large chunk of the book, it is about her. Yeah, and not even her with Maple. Like I think the the dungeon the underwater dungeon is like a full two chapters where Maple is like a side character at best. It, it, yeah, not mentioned <laughs> at all. Except maybe in like like Maple sent me a message to come back up at twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. And I understand like introducing a new character. Just maybe introduce them sooner, or I. I feel like it was a little clumsy doing it. Here's here's my my broad thoughts about the book. 
it's fluff. There's no substance to it, but there's nothing bad about it. No, it, it is. It's a very middle of the road, just normal, okay, feel good book. It is deeply inoffensive. Yeah. Now, to the point where it doesn't accomplish anything. Um, <laughs> but but there's nothing wrong inherently with the book, aside from the back fact that it's it it, it has the the boredom you get when you understand that you know uh, most light novels give their character their main characters some form of plot armor and you just understand that to start with um some of them do it too far uh like the invincible shovel Oof. which is hard to even consider dare not mention it yeah um but you know other ones like further on the the grim dark scale of course like goblin uh slayer you don't know if anyone's gonna die like you're you're pretty sure that goblin slayer is not gonna right die, you know he isn't is going game. to die <laughs> but everyone else is free game this one it like first of all there's no characters um there's we we mentioned ease and um chrome uh, chrome and and other than Sally and Maple, that's like technically. It? There's technically two other like the the first and second placers, which uh, in the first event, which have names. Pain and Dread. I don't remember them? Yeah, yeah. Pain and Dread. Pain is the highest the, level player in the game, and Dread is like an assassin type player. Yeah, uh, you've that's read not the mentioned book, in the book, which like has an all. event. Yeah. Uh, do they do they manage to do any damage to Maple? They do. Um, Maple does take damage, um, not from Pain and oh. Dread. Pain and Dread do not show up in the second book at all. The, oh, weird. It's assumed that they are taking place in the event, um, but it is not primarily a um, player PvP event. Um, oh. So PvP only really happens when players run into each other and they decide to PvP. Okay. Yeah. So it's a very different sort of event. Yes. Like I said, it takes up... Okay. Um, the second book is probably like twice as long as the first book, like minus the um, short uh, the bonus stories. Um, and it covers yeah. only the second event. Like, the second event is a long thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, it speeds up time so that a week ta- uh, in the during the event takes place in the course of like two hours. Um. And so the event goes on for a week. Okay. Yeah, and and they do introduce more characters. Chrome does show up again there, um, as well as two new like friendly characters for them with names. Um, and that's about it. But yeah, there's there's really not a whole lot to this book. Uh, if I was to suggest reading this book. I probably wouldn't, <laughs> um, because there are other books out there that have more substance to them, and while they're not going to be as unoffensively candy, there might actually be stakes. So, um, I would say that if you're going to read this book watch the anime first and see if you like where the anime is going to go because because the books 
the second book varied very much differently from how it's um, adapted into the anime. But the first book is pretty much just straight adapted. Um, There's very minor additions. But it's pretty straight in its adaptation up until the, uh, the second event. And if you like where that uh, like like what that looks like, and then what beyond that looks like, I would recommend picking up this book just to start, uh, just to be able to like hop into the other books and read them. Yeah. Like you said, for for someone who's a fast reader, it's like thirty to forty five minutes. It probably took me a bit longer than that because I'm a slow reader. Um, yeah, it's it's like a dollar for every two minutes. <laughs> And that's not a great. <laughs> that that's not a great return on investment. Uh, you know what it reads like. It reads like a prologue. Kinda, yeah. But, like this is all just set up to get us to the more interesting stuff. Just wish that could have happened ever. Or could ever yeah, happen. Yeah, and, and because of the nature of the second event and the author not wanting to split it up across two books, the other stuff does not happen in this book, like, at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I would say that that's its biggest failing, is it reads like a, 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 a novel-length prologue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we probably won't be doing the second book on this show i am going to add it to my list eventually not soon really i will i I like the i like the second book a lot um it's it's much better Hmm. Hmm. um okay stakes uh, stakes are raised um my statement earlier about like um where is it this is pure fluff where you know what the end result is going to be once events start taking place. That still pretty much holds true, but things get more interesting in how things go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, Maple does start taking damage. Um, there's one point where she she hangs on to a, in a fight with one HP. Um, yeah. It gets more interesting. And once you actually see Maple and Sally like working together more during fights, it, it, <clears throat> the interplay is better. Okay. Yeah. But because like I said, I'll the, take your word too for much it. of this book is like Maple by herself and then Sally by herself and then you don't really see the two of them working together very often. Okay. And, and the second book rectifies that to a great extent. I'm still, as of right now, fingers crossed that the dice doesn't roll on. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, take that as you will. All right, well, uh, what are you looking forward to for next week? Um, I am definitely going to watch The Green Knight either tonight or... No, not today. I'm going to watch it tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, you're not watching it tonight. Right. I have shit to do. Um, you do have shit to do. Um... Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I'm uh, I don't have anything fun to look forward to. That's unfortunate. Um, um, dang. I mean, you're gonna be uh, whatever it is you do with our our game tonight. 
Yeah, that's nothing. I don't do anything. I sit on my hands for that. <laughs> I don't know why you're there. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm I'm there because Dominic lied to me. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's get into this. We got some time left <laughs> in the episode. We got, we got a little bit. This this will be my outro for it. Uh, we're not going to talk about what I'm excited for because there's nothing <laughs> okay. now. Um, I I was there because I was under the impression that we would be doing cameras, and because of that, I'd be able to do a whole lot more live switching between, you know. Punching it on someone's face, punching it on someone's activities, putting, putting face side by sides when people are talking, doing all that stuff that, hey, I did for the last campaign that happened, but we're not doing that. Almost nobody uses cameras. I'm sitting on my hands because now I have to be there. But I can't do anything that'll actually increase the value of the product. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so I'm just uh, wasting my time. It's it's two hours a week that I lose and can't get back. I'll make sure to use my camera again tonight. I, it won't, without everyone, it's not worth doing. (laughs) So... I, I would need a hundred percent, and that's not gonna happen. Um, yeah, I see. Yeah, but bah. because Dom, Dom said that it was like up to the players whether they wanted to use a camera or not. Uh huh. And two out of the four of them said, "Heck no," <laughs> and that's fine. Dominic should have made it clear ahead of time that either I wasn't necessary or that cameras were, but that didn't happen. So for the most part, I just said it and I walk away. (laughs) (laughs) I see. Especially there, there's one thing that, uh, early on episodes I was, I had like saved camera settings in game. So I was at least like moving around, looking at people's dice rolls and at their sheets. If they, you know, were looking at their sheets and adding something to it. But turns out, uh, you have to set those one every single time you start the game because it doesn't save them. Fuck. Bad design. And two, every time, Dominic presses a certain configuration of keys, and I'm pretty sure it's tied to him, like, turning back time slightly. Oh, the 10-second rewind? Every single one. Every single session he has done that. Um, but when when a certain combination of keys is, is done, all of my keybinds disappear. Oh, shit. So, even if I could keep them, they would go away. And, like, even if I set them up, they will go away. So, like, the first time I it, it happened, I, like, I was like, oh, shit, I must have fucked it up. And I, you know, set them all back up again. I did the rest of the, the episode like that. Second time, I was like, well, fuck it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Third time, I was like, well, maybe it was just, like, some, some glitch or something. Uh, I'll do it. Nope. Fucked it up again. Not going to do this. 
So yeah, I I honestly I start it. I give y'all a countdown. Uh, two hours later, I come back and and private message Dom that he needed to have shut this down five minutes before and that we're way over time. <laughs> and please shorten this. Please get us to the end. And uh, and then I end it. Yeah, that's what you do. That's what I do. Okay. That's why I'm there. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I'm not frustrated at all. You seem a little bit. <laughs> hey, uh, share this with someone you know who uh, does video design or gets frustrated. One or the other. Uh, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Uh, follow Wombat on his site, videogamewombat.com, which is never where he updated. hasn't posted anything in three months. Right. And, um, yeah, there's a coffee there if you want to do that. There uh, is. Follow us on Instagram, where we haven't posted in a while. I thought about posting yesterday, because when I was sleeping, my, my girlfriend took a, a picture of me with... The, my two dogs in the bed next to me one of their heads is like laying next to my head and then the other one is completely reverse with their heads next to my feet that's cute it is cute i might still put it up okay look forward to that maybe it's just my bed looks like a mess in it so Bye. bye